Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Excuse me. Uh, You know, this time of year, there's always classic Christmas movies, you, you know, uh, and and one of the most classic, at least in my opinion, and one of my favorites is is uh, <clears throat> it's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I I just I, I've always liked it. I I don't know. It could be. I've thought about it many times. You know why why I like that one probably more than the rest. Uh, it, it could be because when I was about eight years old. Uh, before I had actually ever seen the movie, at least remember seeing the movie. Uh, I, I contemplated the very thing that George contemplates uh, in the movie. And <clears throat> George Bailey is the main character in the movie, and he finds himself in deep financial trouble just prior to Christmas. And the harder he tries <clears throat> to get out of uh, trouble, uh, the deeper the hole gets. How many of y'all can, re- I mean, we can all relate to that, can't we? I mean... You know, the, man, the faster you dig, it's like, it's like, man, the deeper I'm getting here. Um, but out of, uh, out of uh, desperation, George contemplates a very scary thought. And that is, I wish I had never been born. And then the rest of the movie goes throughout what life would be like if George Bailey had never been been born and then comes steps in uh well kind of simultaneous to that uh my favorite character of the whole movie is clarence uh the 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 angel clarence i don't know if if you've never seen the movie you got to watch it it's it's a classic but uh clarence the angel the second class angel i don't know where in the world they get that from that is totally (laughs) non-scriptural the whole wing thing not not in the bible just saying Okay, just in case you're wondering. <clears throat> but the lesson that is that is taught in that is one person can make a difference. Amen. And as I was preparing for the, the, the message uh, this morning, this 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 movie kept running through my head for some reason. And and the reality is that <clears throat> each of us has a George Bailey in our lives. Uh, be it a, a friend, a family member, a teacher, a coach, a, a, a neighbor, a co-worker. I mean, there's someone, there. every one of us can look back in our lives and we can identify at least one person who's made a difference in our lives. Uh, I, I know in my life there are multiple people that I can look back in my life and say, you know, I'm here today, specifically here today, and I can I can attribute that to this person and this person, this person, and and, and there's a there's a there's a, 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 a what's the word progression. progression. There you go. There's a progression of people that God has brought into my life that has got me to where He wants me. Does that make sense? And, and, and the truth is, we are all important to God, every single one of us. <clears throat> and we all can and should have an impact in the lives of those around us. 
as I was contemplating this this thought, <clears throat> what would the, what would the world look like had Jesus never been born? It'd be a whole lot different, would it not? I mean, just, just whether whether you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior doesn't matter. But can you imagine a world without a Savior? With the, the impact that a single man has made on mankind? Our calendars would be all messed up, <laughs> for one thing. <clears throat> the, so much of our society revolves around the individual Jesus Christ. The title of my message this morning is God with us. God with us. In Matthew chapter 1, <clears throat> let's start reading in verse 18. That the, the preceding verses here in Matthew chapter 1 is a, uh, uh, a lineage, uh, a, a genealogy, if you would, uh, of, uh, I believe, if my memory serves me correct, uh, of Joseph, the, the, the stepfather of Jesus. But let's start reading in verse 18. <clears throat> now the birth of Jesus Christ was on, the, uh, was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph <clears throat> before uh, they came together, she, found, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a, a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth her a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this w was done, that he might be that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall <clears throat> be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is Christ is God with us God with us let's pray dear lord thank you again for this day thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives and lord as we contemplate this idea of God being with us i ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us to walk with you. Help this Christmas season be a, a Christmas season that is centered around Jesus Christ and not presents and not parties and not all the, 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 the accoutrements that come with that, but, but around Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I remember, like it was yesterday, uh, the night Ashley was born. Uh, Ashley was uh, born in Fallbrook, California. 
and <clears throat> I, I, my wife could tell you the, the gazillions of hours it, of labor it took to do it. I don't know. I, I just remember I was really tired. <clears throat> but anyway, finally the doctor, the doctor decided, you know what, we've got to do an emergency C-section, and and they 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 rushed her in, and 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 they put me in this little outfit with the, you know, and I felt like an idiot. But anyway, <clears throat> so as she was born, and as soon as she was born, you know, they got her breathing and did all that stuff, and then they took her from the operating room, her and I, uh, to this little room. And <clears throat> I'm standing in this room, and the nurse is cleaning her up, and you know, cleaning all the stuff out of her nose and all that, whatever they do to babies, I don't know. And I remembered hearing or reading somewhere that the first thing you're supposed to do when a baby is born is to count the toes and the fingers. So I'm standing there going, you know, and I'm counting all the, and I thought, oh, okay, we're good. And something really strange happened. The nurse looked at me and she said, you can touch her, you know. <laughs> because I, I had my back against the wall, you know. I, I, and, and I stood there and I thought, oh, okay. And I went, <laughs> and I touched her. <laughs> my mom was on the other side of the glass looking in, seeing all that. Just busting a gut. But, you know, people people have asked me, you know, because I've told that story before, oh, so were you afraid of, you know, breaking her or whatever? No. I was standing there in awe. Not in fear of having to raise a child. That, that actually came about a week later. But I I was standing in awe of what I had just witnessed. The the awe of of birth. The The miracle of birth. And I remember five years later doing the same thing when Tim was born. Just standing there, that initial holding that little baby and that and this this overwhelming sense of awe just coming over me. I don't know how else to describe it. And those of you that are parents know exactly what I'm talking about. At least I hope you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then holding my, my three grandchildren, the, 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 the first opportunity that I've had to hold each of my grandchildren, that same feeling just overwhelms me. And, one, and I've said this before, one of the greatest things about being a pastor is I get to be one of the first people to visit someone after they've had a baby. And, and I don't care whose baby it is, <clears throat> holding that precious newborn, there's just something <clears throat> to me that it, it is just so overwhelming, the, the act of birth. Can you imagine... I, and I can't, I've, I've tried. But can you imagine the sense of awe that flooded the hearts and minds of Mary and Joseph? Not only had Jesus been born, but they knew that he was the Son of God. 
And, and I cannot, I, I've tried, I cannot imagine the overwhelming sense of awe that they had to experience. I mean, it's one thing as a parent to hold a child, but when you're holding the Son of God, I, I just, my mind is, that that's in, incomprehensible to me. Is that a word? Okay, good. Sounded good, I, you know. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 to 32, it says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. I, I just, I, I can't, I can't comprehend it. I imagine, I don't know, but I imagine that that Joseph and Mary sitting there, <clears throat> just, I, I don't imagine words were exchanged. I just, I just, I don't know. I have this picture of of them just staring at each other. What do you do? Charles Spurgeon wrote this. He said, <clears throat> "He who never began to be, but eternally existed, began to be what he eternally was not." and continued to be what he eternally was. In other words, what Charles Spurgeon is saying here, God, who is eternal, became flesh. What he was not. But yet he continued to be God. Explain that. (laughs) I can't. In Matthew chapter 1, let's look at verse 23 again. And I want to... I want to read verse 23. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I want to spend this morning talking about the fact that God came to be with us my first point is that he understands me. He understands me. I was recently reading a story of a father who was teaching his son how to shoot baskets. Uh, <clears throat> they went out in the backyard and apparently they had a basketball hoop in the backyard and the dad's shown him how to hold the ball and, you know, follow through and do all this stuff. And, and <clears throat> you know, the dad's you know, shooting and, and making baskets and the little guy's doing his best and you, you know how the little guys are. They, it just, you know, doesn't quite get there. And finally, the little boy looks up at the dad and says, you know, that's easy for you. You're all the way up there and I'm down here. And I thought, wow, what an incredible picture of how oftentimes we think of God. You know, we read the Bible and the Bible tells us to be holy and it tells us to do this and it tells us to do that. And, and, we, and we think, wow, okay, God, that's easy for you to say. You live in heaven. But I have to live on earth with all these knuckleheads. And I have to put up with all of this. And I have to, I have to uh, drive on 80. 
you know, when it's snowing. <laughs> you know? And we think, how you want me not to lose my temper, but you've never been in California traffic. And those of us from California know what I'm talking about. You, you can lose your Christianity real fast. <laughs> yeah. You don't understand. But I'm here to tell you, he does. John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word, which is referring to Jesus, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word, Jesus Christ, was made flesh. He lived among us. He experienced human life. He, he, he knows the thoughts that you think. He knows the limitations that you have. Hello? <laughs> not me. My phone. I left my phone at home this morning, so it's not me. He lived among us. He, he knows the struggles that you go through. And, and in 20, 21st century America, it's, it's hard for us to comprehend that an almighty God could experience the things that we experience. The, the, the horrible billboards that we have to, to put up with in Reno. The, <clears throat> and I could go on and on, and that, but that's, that's not the point. The, the point is this, as, as human, Jesus understood what we go through. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 says, <clears throat> For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the, the feelings of our infirmities, <clears throat> but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. The fact that he understands what I'm going through means that when I go to him, he understands. And the, and the, the excuse that, <clears throat> oh, you're in heaven. How, how could you possibly understand what I'm going through? See, one of the, the, the misconceptions that we have is we listen to Hallmark. And we listen to the Christmas carols. And we think that all of these things are scripturally correct. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a, a, a song that is very, very popular, but there's a major doctrinal error in this, in this song. And, this, and, and you're gonna, when I start it, you're going to think, wait a minute, that's my favorite. I am sorry. I'm not trying to take a shot at the author here, but I do want to clear up a, a, an important misconception. And that is, the song is Away in the Manger. Let me read it to you, at least part of it. <clears throat> Away in the manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. Isn't that, isn't that cool? I, I, mean, there's, I mean, that's okay. The stars in the sky <clears throat> look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep in the hay. The cattle are lowing. We don't know if there were cows there. Just saying, okay. Uh, the, the poor baby wakes, <clears throat> but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Sure. 
I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky and stay by my side till morning is night. The problem with this is that Jesus was 100% human. And he did cry. Babies cry. Now, I believe there, there are, two, and moms can hear, dads aren't too good at this, but moms know the difference between a real cry and a temper tantrum cry. Okay? <clears throat> because he was 100% human, he cried when babies normally cry, when they're hungry, when they need to be changed. And yes, somebody had to change Jesus' diaper. I mean, we, we had this picture in our minds of this, this holiness laying in a manger who, who, I mean, it was like a plug-and-go kind of thing, you know, and they didn't have to do anything. But no, that is, not, that is not the baby that's laying in the manger. He cried. He was hungry. He, he again, his diaper needed to be changed. He, he had to be cared for just like every other child that's ever been born. He outgrew his shoes. And his mom wondered where she was going to get pants to fit this little guy that keeps growing. He had to <clears throat> he had to grow and to mature just like each and every one of us has had to. Well, I don't know about the maturing part, but he had to build relationships. He had to get along with the neighborhood kids because he played in the streets like everybody else. The things that, that, that we struggle with, he experienced. In short, he had to experience life just like you and I did. And when the Bible says that God with us, it literally means that he came to this earth, and he lived, and he grew up just like you and I grew up, with one exception. He did not have a sin nature like you and I have. He did it without sin. You could say, I, I, I read this, I, I don't, anyway, I read something around like this. I, it's not a direct quote, but anyway, you could say that he is a deity wrapped up in human flesh. And when the Bible says that, that God with us, it literally meant that he is with us. He understands your thoughts. He understands your struggles. He understands your limitations. He understands me. The second point this morning is he helps me. He helps me. One of the things that I have learned as a pastor <clears throat> is that Christmas, for some of us, is a difficult time of year. There's an empty chair at the table where a loved one would normally be sitting. There's a tradition, a family tradition that maybe no longer exists because the person who drove that tradition is no longer with us. 
there's an empty bank account <laughs> staring you in the face and 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 the because of the pressures of the world we feel like financially we need to f- perform to certain levels to keep up with everybody else around us and let me hear, tell you here that's that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell but there are things there are there are pressures that that come in and and one of i think one of the biggest mistakes that oftentimes we make is we watch the Hallmark Channel too much this time of year. And we expect that everything is supposed to everything is supposed to happen good at Christmas time. And nothing sad can ever happen this time of year. Well I'm here to tell you sad things happen all the time. In fact I'm gonna stop right here. This is a little commercial for the sermon tonight. I hardly ever do this but I just want to tell you the title of tonight's message: "Good things happen, or bad things happen to good people." And 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 if there's ever a time of the year that that message is important, it's this time of year. <clears throat> real people live real lives, and when we re- live real lives, that means that doubt. Pain, confusion is part of life. And it's part of this time of year as well. I believe that's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons Jesus came, is to help. Psalm chapter 46, verse 1 says, God is my refuge and strength. A very very present help in trouble. You know, one of the things that we need to kind of remind ourselves of regularly is that God did not have to come. Jesus did not have to come. He chose to come. He chose to die on a cross for your sins and for mine. He chose to live among us. These were choices that an almighty God made because he loves you. And I'll be honest with you, when I, I got saved back in 1980, the one thing that I struggled with, because from the time that I was presented with the gospel to the time that I was saved was a, a period of weeks, the thing that I struggle with through that time is the fact that God could love me because I, you know what? I knew me. I didn't like me. And the fact that there was an almighty God that not only liked me, but that loved me and died for me. I tell you, I had a hard, I still have a hard time with it. But that is the God that we serve. First Timothy chapter two. Verses 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Who did he die for? He died for all. He did not die for the elite. He did not die for the rich. He did not die for the good people. He died for everyone. And he did it out of choice. I love 
the rhetorical question in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say then? Shall these things, <clears throat> if God be for us, who could be against us? I love the question because the, the answer is what? No one. If God is for us, who can be against? There is nobody who can withstand God. That is the kind of God that we serve. As most of you know, I, I am a history nut. I, I, love, I love history. I read something recently about King George VI. It says that he endured himself to his countrymen when he and his wife, Queen Elizabeth, refused to leave London during the darkest days of World War II. Although the Germans were relentlessly bombing the city and there was a, a legitimate fear for, uh, the, for their lives, <clears throat> the royal family, the king and queen, stayed with their countrymen. On at least one occasion, they narrowly escaped death when German bombs exploded in the courtyard of Buckingham Palace. Nevertheless, they resolved, uh, uh, resolutely stayed and subject, su subjected themselves to the same uh, uh, rationing <clears throat> that the rest of the country had to endure. I, I, I did not know that. that. That was a little bit of history I didn't know. Uh, that they, they ate the same food, they ate the same everything. Uh, that's just, to me, that's incredible. One London newspaper reported an incident which the king was inspecting a bombed-out section of the city shortly after an air raid. An, elder, an elderly man recognized the king, and picking his way through the rubble and tangled debris, he approached him, and all he could say was, you, here, with tears running down his eyes and his throat choked up, that's all he could muster. He finally composed himself and he says, you, in the midst of this, you are a good king. Amen. And we, I read the story and I thought, I thought, wow, what, a, what an incredible guy. That, that, to me, is the epitome of what a king should be, is it not? Going down and doing what he could to help the people in the midst of their darkest time of the war. And as I read that story, I thought, you know, that is exactly what Christmas should be about. A reminder that Jesus Christ is among us. Amen. And he's here because of the darkest times of our lives. He's with us through those dark times. He's with us through the times where things seem hopeless. He's with us through the sinful times of our lives. He's there through our pain. He is a good king. Amen. He will never leave us nor forsake us. One of my favorite verses, I quote this often to myself. Hebrew, and it's only a part of a verse. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5. The last part says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. Those few words have brought peace and comfort into my life on multiple occasions. 
He understands me. He helps me. And then number three, He changes me. Think about it. From the moment Gabriel, <clears throat> the archangel, made his announcements, the name Jesus Christ has been changing lives. Just think of how much it changed the life of Mary and Joseph. I mean, I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, that's a that's a that's a no-brainer, right? But he gave sight to the blind. The hearing to the deaf, words to the mute, right? Amen. Strength to the lame, healing to the sick, life to the dead. He fed the hungry, comforted the hurting, rebuked the proud, and forgave those who asked. Jesus, everywhere he went, changed lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. As I, in, in my notes here, the, the, the next sentence in my notes says, Praise God, he's never given up on me. Amen. He's still working on me. Praise God for that. We often think that change happens at salvation. And it, and it does. But it doesn't stop there. He changes lives all the time. He changes uh, courage or <clears throat> fear into courage. Think about that. He changes <clears throat> worry into peace. How often we worry about things that we have no control over. But peace can overwhelm us and take us places that we never thought possible. Selfishness into love. Bitterness into forgiveness. Hopelessness into hope. <clears throat> but these changes take time. And as I, I look out over the over the 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 the, the church this morning, I, I see faces of people whose lives have been changed. People who used to be drug addicts who've been clean for years. People who've been alcoholics that are have been sober for years. Addictions that have been taken away, marriages that have been put back together. Lives that have been changed. And it has nothing to do with me, this church, but it has everything to do with Jesus Christ. Amen. The truth is this. In, in, in closing, let me, let me challenge you with this thought. Many of us know about Jesus. 
If I were to distribute this morning a piece of paper and a pen to every person here and say, tell me what you know about Jesus, many of you would be able to say, you know, things like, you know, he was born, you know, uh, from a virgin. And and we can give all kinds of stats and things about what we know about him. But the challenge isn't what do you know about him? The challenge is, do you know him? See, religion teaches us about him. Faith builds a relationship with him. And the fact that Jesus Christ is among us is is the the, the very essence of those, those three words, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Those three words develop within us a potential relationship with him. Why would he be with us if he did not want to be with us? Does that make sense? And so often we we look at God and we say, God, you're up there. We're down here struggling through life. What you know, what's going on? And you want me to do this and you want me to live this way, but it's easy for you because you're up there. And we forget the fact that he is part of us. He wants that relationship with you. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is not about trees and 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 happy feelings and and family and all of the good things that come and those are all byproducts of Christmas but the truth of Christmas is simply this God wants a relationship with you he came to be among us he came to build a relationship with you that is it I want to read something to you this morning. I got this card in the mail. Most of you know that I go to the Lovelock Correctional Center. Uh, Most of us call it a prison, but it's a correctional center. Out at Lovelock, I go out there once a month. And there's one there's one guy out there, his name's Gordon, who I, I don't know why, but he he considers Grace Baptist Church his church. Yeah. He's never been here, and he may never be here. I I don't know why he's in. I don't know how long he's in for. I, I don't ask those kind of questions. That's that's none of my business. That's not why I'm there. So honestly, he could be getting out tomorrow. I wouldn't know it. But he may be doing life too. I, I, I don't know. But he, he has on multiple occasions told me that this is his church. Well, he sent a card to his church. I don't want to read it to you. He starts off by saying, to my church family. It says, May your gift this year be His presence in your life abundantly. 
I, I, I was reading this and I'm like, dude, this is a sermon. I, I, I could just read the card and say, amen, let's go home. Because is that not why he came? So that our gift this year would be his presence in our life abundantly? He goes on. He is looking for obedient followers. Tell him. This is, you can read this for yourself, okay? I'm not making this up, okay? Because this sounds like something I would make up, and it, I did not make this up. He is looking for obedient followers. Tell him, here I am. And never give up on your walk with him. Each day, take another step, large or small, but take one. I like that. God bless and protect you all with love, Gordon. I couldn't have said it any better. His desire for each and every one of us <clears throat> is to be in his presence. Why? Because he's among us. He came, Emmanuel, God with us. That's his desire this morning. What does your walk look like? Oh, and by the way, if you want to correspond with Gordon, uh, I have his address. So you, if you see me afterward, I'll give you his address. And I'm sure he would love to uh, correspond with his church family. I'm not allowed to write him because of my position at the prison. I, I'm not allowed to do it. But if anybody wants to, just see me afterward. But what does your walk look like? What does your Christmas look like? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it consumed with all the activities, all the hustle, the bustle, and all the, all the parties and all the stuff that goes along with it? Or have you already set aside a time where you've, you've dedicated and you're, you've, you're thanking Jesus Christ for what he's done? I don't know. I, I cannot answer that question. But I'm here to tell you this. I know for a fact that he came to this earth. He was born in a manger <clears throat> so that he could have a relationship with you. God with us. He came and he understands you. He understands me. He came to help me through my dark times in life because we all have them. And he came to change us into his own image. Praise God for that. So let me ask you again, do you know about Jesus or do you know him? The challenge really is very, very simple. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. He came to have a relationship, not to teach religion. Let's pray.